Hey there, you're with Disembodied Podcast. This is Evie Asher. This week's guest is Adam Hart, who is an expert in nervous system regulation. Adam grew up in Toronto, where he spent most of his childhood detached from nature and addicted to things like junk food and television. As a teenager, he was diagnosed with having ADHD, and he suffered with low self-esteem and feelings of guilt and shame as he went into adulthood. What hung him up is his racing mind. He was always stuck in fight-or-flight thoughts, and he was basically coping with habits that had him trying to escape life and detach from emotions. Of all things to change your life, um, Adam found that rock climbing changed his life in his late 20s. And rock climbing allowed Adam to discover the true power of his nervous system regulation. What followed was a deep dive into holistic wellness and the ability to function in an optimal state of mental and physical health without needing to rely on diets and exercise regimens. Adam's passion for sharing his discoveries led to many speaking engagements and the creation of his successful coaching program, which he's still doing. In addition, Adam wrote a best-selling book called The Power of Food, which highlights his personal journey with turning his sugar addiction into a powerful source of love. Nowadays, he has two kids of his own, and Adam is focused on guiding fellow parents with the right tools in the right order into living a life aligned to their optimal state of health and fulfillment. So let's hear about his journey. Sit tight. Here we go. Adam, welcome to Disembodied Podcast. It's great to have you. Yeah, thanks, Evie. I appreciate you having me. So tell me a little bit about your background. Um, You're into quantum physics now. Were you always (laughs) interested in that type of thing? No, 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 no. (laughs) No, I was interested in uh, escaping my life. (laughs) And I I had uh, an occupational burnout in my mid late twenties, suffering with anxiety, depression, ADHD, put on all sorts of different medication, overweight, and nothing was working. I discovered rock climbing and rock climbing gave me this access to a new way of feeling, a new way of engaging my own mind and a new way of engaging my body that I didn't know was possible that uh, shifted how I understood how I could show up in my own life. Was it kind of like the slowing down process of rock climbing, like you're methodically doing something and also physically exerting yourself? Was that it? Yeah, there was an element of presence that I didn't know I was missing. I had lived up to that point longing for connectivity, longing for a level of self-worth, self-love that made sense to me that I just could never find in a diet, could never find in a pill, could never find on the couch of a therapist. I'm not knocking any of this, but it was when I trained my nervous system in a real fight or flight moments to chill out that I recognized that I actually had way more control over my life circumstances than I was ever told. And it came from training my nervous system, my vagus nerve to teach my brain to feel safe in those moments where it wanted to try and get me to be reactive. If I would never have found rock climbing, I would never have figured this out. I would have just kept stumbling, stumbling, stumbling. Maybe something else would have come along. But most of my life to that point was just constantly being triggered and bouncing off of a wall all over the place, hoping that my headache would go away. And it, you know, it, it wasn't until I discovered the real true power of presence and how to actually biologically bring the experience into my life that I, um, I changed, you know, I changed my energy and ultimately you shift your energy, you shift your results. Did you develop techniques to deal with anxiety while you were rock climbing little techniques or something? Yeah. It began to become an intuitive experience where I would be on the side of, and I, I I really got all in on climbing because it was the only thing I knew how to feel a little healthier at the time. I didn't know what the what the actual science was behind what I was doing biologically. I just knew that I felt better climbing. So it became my addiction. 
I was able to drop some of the unhealthy ones, which predominantly for me was sugar. I grew up with a really heavy sugar addiction as my number one escaping reaction. And when I got into climbing and started to realize that I can manage my stress response in the moments of climbing, I realized, wow, there's something I'm doing when I'm climbing that's allowing me to calm myself down, feel more present, have more physical and mental energy. And I said to myself, wow, okay, so what am I doing? And we'll, we'll definitely talk about the technique. It's called heart flow. It's a 33-second breath practice that I discovered through climbing. But then I also realized, okay, so maybe I can bring this same presence into the other areas where I feel anxious. Now, the other areas that we, most of us feel anxious are moments that we don't even realize are happening and we don't really perceive them as life-threatening. They're just part of our lives. So there's a power in pushing yourself in these uncomfortable places to train yourself to know what's possible. And so when I did that through climbing, I realized, okay, I think I could play with my sugar addiction with this. I think I could actually train myself to release the brain's hold of my sugar addiction. I wrote a book called The Best, uh, the, the Power of Food, which is my story of how I did that. And essentially, I took this breath practice. So I'd be up on the side of the wall, fully exposed, hundreds of feet down below, full anxiety, panic attack. And you can't have that happen because that's, that's real fight or flight. And so I would be sticking my hands on the rock, closing my eyes, really breathing this rotating rhythmic breath naturally. When I would be able to reset myself and have my power come back and finish climbing. The science behind it, I, uh, when I did the research, it was based off of what's called heart rate variability, HRV. And if you know the HeartMath Institute, it's the most popular, I think, platform that teaches this, HeartMath Institute. It's great stuff. I don't have any affiliation with them, but I love, I love what they're up to. It talks a lot about heart coherence. And so essentially in this 33-second rotation breath, which is four in, seven out, you're able to teach your vagus nerve to teach your brain to let go of the fear, to let go of the anxiety, to let go of the need to problem solve and fix and frustration and worry and the majority of what a lot of us are suffering from in our lives and bring yourself back to a present state, which is known as your parasympathetic, your calm, rest and digest state. When I recognized that there was actually some powerful science behind what I was doing, and created my own version of it that I call HeartFlow. And it's a five-step process. Happy to share it with anybody who resonates with this. I do have a free video. You can, you can watch it. No problem. It's on my YouTube channel. When I realized, okay, so now I'm feeling anxious around sugar. Let's bring the same practice in. And I would be most of the time just so reactive around sugar where I would have the cookies in my mouth before I even knew I was doing it. <laughs> I don't know, Evie, I don't know if that relates to you in, at all in terms of any reactive patterns that you know you have. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think we all have somewhat of that kind of habitual doing of things, whether they're healthy or not. And at times, even lately, I kind of go off sugar and then I realize I've integrated it back into my diet somehow. Right. Like It creeps um, back in. Magically. Yeah. Like all of a sudden I'm drinking sweeter drinks than I used to. And I don't, I cut out soda and juice a long time ago, Yeah, but I noticed uh, about a month ago that I was drinking sweeter coffee drinks and stuff. And then I got a UTI and I thought, okay, basta, you know, I got to stop doing this. Yeah. And now I'm going more sugar-free again, but it is the saddest thing of all. It's like, you never ultimately can stay away from things. You mm. always have to remind yourself, unfortunately. There's, so there's two things at play here. One is we're up against a money-making machine. The food industry is a massive, massive industry. We know that. And there is something called the bliss point. The bliss point is something that was created in the 50s. It was a war-based concoction of a very particular combination of salt, sugar, and fat in the food that would get the soldiers to have more energy and they would enjoy eating. And it was very science-based. Science and what happened with that discovery is all of a sudden you had major food companies take that bliss point and start to convert it into their foods, knowing that if they could hit the right amounts so that when your taste buds get it, it's going to trigger the reaction in the brain to get you to want to consume more of it. Okay. So we know this, and this is, you know, the root of sugar addiction and food addiction comes a lot to do with that. But then it's a matter of understanding, okay, so 
if it's triggering the brain into a reaction, maybe then I can work with the brain to teach it to not react to it. That's what I was doing when I brought my heart flow breath practice into my addiction for eating the cookies or having the candy. In the moments that I was about to grab it, all I wanted to do was create a conscious pause, bring the reactivity to my consciousness and say, wait a minute. Okay, I'm going to do my breath practice, 33 seconds. I'm going to calm this down and I'm going to reset my energy and bring it towards a vibration of how I actually want to feel as an alternative. And in that process of being very consistent with that. So, I mean, when I work with my clients and they start to do that three times or more a day, which is less than two minutes a day, they find that there's some very profound experiences of peace and calm with their addictive behaviors. It doesn't take much, but what it does take is your willingness and your commitment and your discipline to pause and train your vagus nerve through your nervous system to teach your brain that it's okay. It doesn't need to feed off of the adrenaline from that experience or the dopamine from the social media, the sugar, the alcohol, the drugs, the shopping, the gambling, the pornography, all of it is coming from a very similar mechanism. The brain wants the energy and we haven't created a pause from the brain's use of those habits to teach it that it doesn't need to do that. My sugar habit changed completely when I started to implement this into my life in a really profound way and in a way where I did not have to eliminate anything. I could still have the cookie in my hand as long as I stopped and paused and did the breath practice and reset my energy into an emotional state of what I wanted to feel and how I wanted to feel, I could still choose to eat the cookie. No restrictions, because if you restrict yourself, then you ultimately give your brain stress fuel. You get stressed from re restrictions and your brain's <laughs> going to notice that you're feeling stressed. It's going to like the adrenaline because it's a major source of energy for the brain and the brain's going to produce thoughts to get you stuck into wanting more of what you're now restricting. Right. I don't know if that sounds familiar. It totally does. Yeah. I mean, as soon as someone says you can't do something, this is why I hate going to the doctor, in fact, because they'll say, well, you know, you have to come in for testing tomorrow and you can't eat after 9 p.m. or something. Right. And or don't drink any water. It almost <laughs> creates a meltdown because it's like, I know that when I get to like nine o'clock at night, first of all, at eight 30, I'm going to be drinking water like crazy, eating like crazy. And then after that, I'm going to be like, Oh my God, I'm going to pee all this water out and I'm going to be dying of thirst in the middle of the night, Yeah, you know, and it creates like a, an anxiety. And yeah. I think this is a natural human tendency. I don't think it's unique to me necessarily, but every time I find that somebody says I can't do something or don't do this or something bad's going to happen it creates that nervous tension, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we don't recognize this because we're stuck in our 70,000 thoughts a day, which is what we have on average. And so we've, we've been playing out this almost like this movie scenario in our minds since we were kids that this is just life. This is who we are and this is how it unfolds. But we don't realize that the majority of what we are doing in terms of the actions that we take every day are coming from our brain's love of our reaction to life. The brain as a survival organ loves to have the energy from your adrenaline, which comes from your fight or flight stress response and the dopamine that comes from the majority of our escaping habits. So the brain will learn like a computer system. It learns right from a young age, what stresses you out and it creates more thoughts around that in hopes that it will get you to react to it again and again and again, because it wants to keep being fed the energy that it wants as its main source of energy for survival. So like, for example, I was diagnosed ADHD as a child. Boy, my brain loved that one. All of a sudden I'm diagnosed and put on Ritalin as a child and told I'm learning disabled. I had so much shame and guilt and my brain locked into these patterns of self-esteem, self-worth that I didn't recognize was coming from my brain's love of having me wallow in that energy and, and react to it. All the while, my brain's just loving it because it's getting fed all the sugar I'm reacting to and all of the stress response of feeling so crappy about myself. 
I didn't know I could separate myself from those thoughts. I just identified as them and that's who I was. When I learned how this works and I realized I could train my brain to let go of some of these patterns, we have thousands of them. So you're not eliminating all of them. And it's not about perfection, but you can learn to work with them. So the sugar was the first one I started to work with. And then it was the self-esteem. All of a sudden I realized, wow, whew, so this really worked for the sugar. I can't believe it. Oh, I started to learn to believe it. But then I was like, okay, well, I, I, I still have a lot of these self-doubt, self-worse imposter syndrome because I start, I wrote a best-selling book. I started doing a lot of speaking engagements and you know, I started speaking in front of a lot of doctors and a lot of therapists and realizing, wow, okay, so who am I to be doing this? And my nervous system loved to try and trip me up around those. And I realized, okay, I have some work to do here. And I began to do the same practices, disciplined around noticing what's my mind up to, becoming a really astute student of my own behavior and recognizing that I can create peace in every moment by choice, biologically. I can change the frequency of my own emotions by teaching my brain to let go and then come back into my body, my heart in a way that allowed me to feel the way that I wanted to feel. I crave feeling connection. I crave feeling fulfillment, feeling growth, feeling inspired, feeling motivated. But I never understood that that was an actual way that you can do this in a way that made sense and made it into this place of certainty where it was like, this can't be taken away from me. I, I know how to do this now and I don't need a pill. I'm not knocking the pharmaceutical industry, but I think we know that there's a problem there. But I didn't need to rely on that in order to manage my own mind. I knew how to do that. And you know, this is 15 years ago. I've been on this really incredible journey since. Yeah, you've obviously accomplished quite a bit since you, you realized you could have this type of control over yourself. A lot of people say they're not knocking the pharmaceutical industry, but the thing is, is there is a weird thing, you know, that's taken place in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years where like everybody needs to be on an antidepressant and <laughs> that just can't be possible. Really? That just can't be possible. I think we're, it's an indication that we're living life poorly or we're just, um, I don't know, taking it on faith that a drug will always fix things. Something's amiss with that. So I yeah. don't know, I guess pharmaceuticals, <laughs> pharmaceuticals are there for people who need them. And I, I do think you know, it's possible I would need it someday. I don't know, but I've resisted, even though I've had depression at, at times, I've resisted taking antidepressants because my biggest fear was that I would never get off of the antidepressant. So, you know, I think these techniques I've watched videos on the vagus nerve and stuff like this. I think there are multiple techniques really for the vagus nerve. Yeah. I seem to remember one where you can position your body in certain ways. And um... there's endless ways for me. It was this idea of, okay, I'm a busy dad. I got lots on the go. I need something that fits my lifestyle, something that I can do in the moments of my life that immediately brings me back to center, not something that I have to. And I appreciate it. I've watched lots of videos around this where you have to stand on one leg and put your arm up in the air and tilt your arm, your head sideways. And, <laughs> okay. Awesome. Not for me. I need something that I can do when my kids are screaming and yelling and I'm feeling triggered by that. Or when I'm feeling resentful to my wife, because my brain has learned that I can, that I'll be triggered by her in something she does, which is, you know, and I heard you swear on your last episode. So it's bullshit, right? What my mind is saying in that moment is just complete garbage but yet I'm responding to it and it changes my relationship. It damages it. It changes the emotional frequency. And we know this in terms of partnership. And as men, the number one thing that disrupts your relationship with your, with your partner is your lack of emotional intimacy. And it comes from the brain's disruption based off of it wanting to control how you live your life. So, okay, let's look at the pharmaceutical industry for a minute. And if we do, knock it. Okay. You just follow the money. Okay. So if we follow the money, we know there's a problem. Do your own research and you'll know that there's a problem. The other side of that though, is we lack critical thought in our modern society. And this is the root of all our problems. We can't think clean or clear because we're all stuck in our own anxiety. We're all stuck in our own depressive thinking. Depressive thinking is our past. This is our childhood stuff. 
comes from the brain's looping patterns of stressful moments as kids. Nobody taught our kids how to manage the brain's use of that. The brain gets this hit of dopamine, the hit of adrenaline from when we're kids, we get bullied, diagnosed with ADHD, whatever label you're put on as a kid, you get yelled at by your parents, you get bullied at school, you're going to have a stress response. Who's helping the child regulate that stress response? Nobody, nobody in modern society, you know, okay, you have a few parents who understand that or a few caregivers. The majority of teachers don't know what nervous system regulation is. The majority of parents have no clue what nervous system regulation is. So how are you providing a safe space for your child to grow up feeling co-regulated? It's not the words we say as parents. It's the energy, the vibration of our nervous system that helps them feel safe and feel loved. My kids know that. They know how that feels. I know how it feels because I can feel their energy because I'm not stuck in reactivity all day, every day. It's the most glorious feeling when we can be in presence with somebody else in a regulated state and help them co-regulate. This is real service. So you have that, that front, right? So now you have all this childhood generation growing up with self-esteem, self-worth, shame, and guilt, reactivity. And that's where the depressive thinking comes. It's the past. Now you have adult themes. So now you get older and you enter into adulthood and now you have your life main themes, your finances, your career, your relationships, and your health. Well, what's the brain doing with those as it learns around all those responsibilities that grow in your finance? What does your brain tell you about finances? You'll not be eating if you don't have enough money coming in. Right? Like the looping thoughts around money right now, the debt economy is another mechanism of modern society that denies us access to critical thought. It keeps us stuck in these looping patterns of, of reactivity. Your relationships, the same, your health. Your health declines so fast when you do not have connection to your nervous system in this way, your parasympathetic state. You become inflamed immediately. You, your hormonal balance is so off. You crave all sorts of things that you know are no good, but you don't know anything else to feel better. So you go after them. Meanwhile, it's because it's coming from your brain, shutting your critical thought off, which is what it does when it's in fight or flight. And now you're a slave to your reactivity. Yeah, it's like you become a creature of instinct, right? You're like, oh, I just need sugar. That'll make it better. Or I just need salt. That'll make it better. You become instinctual, maybe. Yeah, and you're looking to just escape the, the, the feelings that are coming up. Because when you are in a reactive state, it's ultimately shifting the emotional frequency of your nervous system. And this is the core, and this is the, maybe the spiritual side of this, but for me, it's, it's all around the science of quantum physics. So quantum physics is everything is made up of energy. We know that. Everything moves in vibrational waves. But what we lack and don't understand and what's missing from a lot of the teachings of law of attraction, and I love law of attraction, love manifestation, but what's not taught is the true how-to for the most part. And the true how-to is recognizing that your emotional frequency is what you are manifesting more of. The emotion that you're having in this moment is what is being matched constantly by the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. It's being matched constantly. So if you feel frustrated, well, whatever that feeling is for you, that's what you're having more of show up in all the areas of your life. So then if we can teach our nervous system to hold a different emotional frequency, would that change what shows up? I'd say, yeah. And it's 100% of the time, every single time. Well, how do you do that? You have to teach your brain to let go of the use of the current frequency that it loves to be fed off of. If we're constantly escaping our lives and feeling pressured and feeling worried and feeling uncertain and lost in thought, the brain is controlling our emotional frequency. You are cut off from your body. A lot of this does come from childhood where we numb ourselves from feeling. I, I did it where I just pushed emotion away because it was too painful to feel. We have a large part of the population that is living that way where we have snuffed out our ability to feel or we're even part of societal norms telling us that, especially as men, don't be a crybaby. Don't show your emotions that way. You got to be tougher. You got to pick it up and be like a man and all that garbage. Now, all of a sudden you get into your twenties, your thirties, 
and you don't even know how to feel. And then your brain has all the power to keep you stuck in the repetitive fight or flight triggered reactive way of living. And all your relationships are showing up that way. All your finances are showing up that way. Your health, for sure, mentally and physically, you're going to have some symptoms that you're not happy with. And all we're told by society for the most part is get another diet, get another fitness program, <laughs> try this medication, go see this person, go to the, it's not the And answer. it all costs money. <laughs> it all costs money and time and energy. Meanwhile, really, you know, the, the core truth is you can train your brain to live at peace in harmony with your nervous system. It takes something, it's, you got to train it. But when you do it right, you get immediate results of more peace, more calm, more presence. And as you feel what presence feels like for you, it manifests on itself. You learn to expand the amount of time you get to live in that energy. And it's the most beautiful place to live your life from. And it wants connectivity to other human beings in that way. You manifest others who want to engage with you in that way, in a way where you're co-regulating each other. And that's the most powerful and beautiful manifestation I know. Yeah, it's not just knowing people, but actually communicating in a positive way with them that enriches your life, you know, so... And you feel it, you know, all my clients and I have a group-based coaching program for a reason, you know, and I'm not here selling that. It, obviously, if it resonates with anybody, awesome, great, reach out, I'm happy to talk about it. But the conversations that we have on our group calls, and we have several group calls each week, it's unbelievable. If I can, can I share a couple of these messages with you? Sure, yeah. So this is from yesterday. So last night, uh, feeling great about tonight's group call. I really felt the connection. Thank you, everyone. You all rock. And this is Ben. Me too. I love our calls and hearing all of your stories and experiences with this work. It makes me realize how alike we all are deep down. I look forward to every one of them. This is Anthony. I really can't say enough about how much it inspires me to keep up with daily practice, seeing how all of you are dedicated to being authentic and sharing your experiences here. I all love and have a great weekend. And I share that just to know that at the core of our human experience is connectivity to others. The only reason why we don't know it to the full extent as, an, as a feeling experience is because our brain, our brain is, is blocking us from fully embracing our full expression and our ability to manifest it that way. Yeah, it makes sense. I feel like uh, those are the types of communications, by the way, that I wish I saw more of on the internet, you know, like on social media. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Well, hey, because, listen. Uh, you know, people are so negative in general that it's almost shocking sometimes. If you've ever read like YouTube comments for a video, yeah. you know, there's a few nice comments and then there'll be somebody that just goes AWOL with something really mean. And you think, where is this coming from? Obviously, this person is having a very bad day or they just can't appreciate anything. You yeah. Know? Well, and, and so we talked a little bit about the food industry. We talked a little bit about the pharmaceutical industry, right? Two major things that we turn to for, for escape and also support social media. We know, we know that the entire internet industry is an attention economy. Mm -hmm. It's all based off of our attention. And so if you are in an anxious state and you produce anxious content, your brain automatically is going to be driven to consume that content because your brain loves the reactivity. <laughs> but when you shift your own energy around how you're operating, you manifest that content, the content that has more peace, has more love, has more connectivity to it. Yes. Is there far less of it out there? Absolutely. Because the majority of us are stuck in a frequency that's, uh, you know, so much tension, so much chaos, uncertainty, worry, frustration. So that's the majority of the content you're going to consume because it's part of your vibration. I think this is why people like roller coasters and scary movies. I've mentioned this before. It's like yeah. you want, I think the brain is kind of like a wild monkey swinging around yeah. and it wants to be entertained. Yeah. And <laughs> it is entertaining to see people screaming, I guess, at each other. You know, I grew up and I, and you you mentioned the horror movies. I grew up addicted to horror movies. 
You know, I had access to, and I had a drawer full hundreds of all the Freddy Kruegers and, <laughs> and Mike Myers and Jason Voorhees and all the, all of those movies was the only way that I could escape. No, and not knowing it. I mean, I know now, and I've written a lot about this in terms of what my brain was doing while watching the horror movies. It's the most massive pour of adrenaline and dopamine. It's such a huge biological shock. It's a great example of recognizing what your brain is up to. If you like horror movies, you'll know that there's other areas in your life that are dysfunctional. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you won't like horror movies if you recognize what your brain is up to and why it's getting you to watch those. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Kind of, you know, you got to choose your poison, I guess. I mean, watching them once in a while is fine, but it, if you're constantly, and it's the same thing with that true crime stuff. I don't know how people get so locked into true crime. I I find it morbid. I find it, it tends to prey on my sense of peace because I think everybody's trying to murder me after I watch one of those true crime shows. Yeah. It starts disenfranchising me from society somehow to get wrapped up in it. And I just, I don't want to go there, but other people love it. Well, you know, and, and so there's another industry, you know, Hollywood is, again, part of the makeup of our lack of critical thought. We're fed a certain narrative around certain things that often triggers us into certain states that denies us the ability to play with our own emotional frequency mm-hmm. on a consistent basis based off of how we want to feel. We're kind of being, you know, like puppets on a string being led along with a lack of critical thought and kind of just told to be consumers, consumers, consumers of content, consumers of products, consumers of food, consumers of this, just be a consumer and shut your mouth. (laughs) Well, you know, and I don't mean to be that harsh about it, but I am that harsh about it because we have one life to live. So if you want to live stuck, no, nobody does. But if you want the right solution, don't buy into the same system. That's the problem. You have to, you have to, you have to know that there's another way. There's another way out for me and my experience. And now I'm 20 years of doing this work and coaching this work. It's about working with my brain and teaching others to work with their brain through their nervous system in the moments of life. It's not a morning meditation. I'm not knocking meditation, but it's about working with the brain throughout the day. The brain is always working. It's trying to filter every moment of your life. And at the same time, your nervous system is filtering every moment of your life. If you learn to master, master your own mind and the space between what shows up in your mind and the actions you take, if you can master that space, you win. You win the game of life and you win it because of how it makes you feel. And if you feel crappy in one or multiple areas, it's because you don't know the playing field. And more and more of us need to know the playing field because it gives us back our critical thought, allows us to feel better. We get to be living the most beautiful, connected way with with ourselves, with our families, with our friends, our community. But it also changes the world. And that's that's the mission. It's a total ripple effect. I think when you go into a room with relaxed energy, you're probably not going to have an argument with somebody. You're not only making your life better in the moment, you're making other people's lives better. There's, there's always that person that walks in the room and just makes you feel at ease. And you kind of want to be that person, I would hope, because if you're the person that's setting everybody off, you're creating a lot of trouble for yourself and others, and it's going to chase you the rest of your life. And it's a, it's an energy. It's a vibration. You feel it. You know, there's that idea of the gut feeling, Yeah. you know, and when you're with people, there is this really beautiful opportunity to create a biological state of presence, you know, and it comes from your breath. It comes from calming your mind down from needing something to be a different way or a certain way, or so many of our relationships are transactional because of how the brain operates. It's what can I get from this? What are you going to provide me as opposed to I'm already everything. I I am the best version of myself right now that I can be, but actually holding that as your vibration, you actually like, at least from my experience, I feel people in a way where I can feel where they're at, knowing that I have an overflow. 
because of working with my nervous system, which is the most powerful act of self-love possible, shifting your energy through your nervous system is the most powerful act of self-love possible. It ultimately puts you in an overflow, an overflow that you get to work with when you're with somebody else. You get to share your overflow, not the words, it's your energy from your vibe, from your nervous system that you're co-regulating them. And now you're in service without having to deplete your energy. You know, being in service is obviously something we all crave and it's a human instinct and it's part of what we should experience, but we tend to use it as a self-sabotaging mechanism where I serve everybody else. I help everybody else. I'm always helping my parents. I'm always helping my kids. I'm always helping my friends. I'm always, when's it my turn? When do I get to feel? Well, that's because it's coming from a place of reactivity. When you do this right, you are, as you are in presence of somebody and fueling them through your energy, you are getting fueled back equally. There is no depletion of your own energy. And the only reason why we feel mental and physical depletion is because we're leaking our own energy because we're not in tune with what our brain is up to. Yeah. Well, martyrdom is kind of a, a dead end. You know, I mean, if you're in that space, you are perhaps not loving yourself at all. And you're just trying to please others, you know, so mm-hmm. that that's always a by the way, I, I don't think that even Jesus did that. <laughs> right. And where does the pleasing come from? Or the desire to please? Well, I think it's for women, it's often ingrained in you from the time you're young that you should be trying to please everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad said a long time ago when I was like maybe 10 years old or something, he's like, you're going to have to cook and clean, you know, to keep a man if you want to keep a man around. And I'm like, you've given me some thoughts that maybe I don't want a man around, you know, like he was a dinosaur in his thinking, but I think that women are always schooled boys, not as much, but women are schooled to please others and, you know, pick up after other people and, you know, bring them food and do this and do that. And so you get locked into that as a woman, you know, at a young age, I would say. Yeah. What's your sense, if you're willing to share how that's impacted you most to this point? The thing my dad said, or just the the overall experience of being in service or yeah. feeling I'm in service? Yeah, the need to please. I think I've divorced myself somewhat from this need to please as I've gotten older. That is one of the benefits to getting older. You kind of go, you know what? I don't really give a shit what people think. <laughs> that is but, true. <laughs> um, so there's that component. But I also think that I am absolutely willing to help people if I can. But I have learned that sometimes I have the urge to help and it's not going to help them. It, I think I'm helping, but it's not going to help them. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've backed away from helping so much And I've often seen, you know, with certain family members in particular, that if you help them, they seem to resent you Mm. down the line for it, oddly. Mm. So I've had a, you know, multitude of, I guess, lessons that I've learned over the years. And now I just kind of, you know, absolutely help somebody if they need help, but I'm not going to break my back doing something for them that, especially if they can help do it too. You, you have to make people do a little lifting themselves. And I've recognized certain patterns in, in family members where they're always trying to get me to do something for them. But is that useful for them? And mm-hmm. I would say no. So this is where help is not always help. Help is sometimes enabling people to not really learn anything in life for themselves. And I can't do that either. So I don't know. I guess I'm I'm not the same person that I was maybe 20, 30 years ago. And I think you just have to learn these lessons and you can't always have somebody tell you because it'll just go in one ear and out the other. And you'll be like, okay, whatever that's, you Mm. have to live it. You have to experience this and go, okay, now I understand why you shouldn't enable people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's an element of, of our contribution to their suffering. Yeah. There's also a part of that, that is our own manifestation of that suffering. Yeah. Right. Because because there, there 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 is this um, this ability to tune into the natural flow state. That term flow state, it, it's pretty rooted in, in in science. In terms of you know, you think about the, this idea of the runner's high. Okay, well, it's the runner's high. Well, it's a 
certain concoction of chemicals that are happening in the body hormonally and neurotransmitterly that, and that's not even a word neurotransmitterly, but <laughs> it, <laughs> that gets you to feel a certain state of flow, a certain state of ease, a certain state of calm. And again, this idea of, okay, if I'm interacting with others, there's an element of our relationships right now that I think we don't even realize that the majority of our interactions are not with the real person. Mm-hmm. And I'd hazard yeah. guess that the majority of those relationships are not with the real person. And so if you think in terms of, okay, well, if let's just say for number's sake, 80% of our lives right now are stuck in a nervous system, so nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, it's happening automatically. There's only two states. And I know you know this, Evie, but I'm sharing this also for the audience. The two states are the sympathetic, the fight or flight, and the parasympathetic, the rest and digest. Right now in modern society, most of us are living 80% in the fight or flight stress response. We don't realize it, but we are. A lot of it has to do with how the brain functions. Most of it does, but it's also partially to do with our environment, the things around us that we think are normal. Okay. Part of that is our relationships. And so we think it's normal that our, our interactions with our significant others or our kids or our friends or community has a bit of, mm, lacks a bit of that extra fulfillment that we truly crave. And that has a lot to do with the fact that everybody is stuck in a mind that is looping patterns of needing to fix, needing to problem solve, needing to figure it out, needing to unsort the uncertainty. And so then when we're interacting in that, we're just in contribution of the same frequency, of the same interaction, of the same manifestation. And I share that only in terms of any relationship that we have in our lives that we want to, one, start to engage the real person Well, then we have to, number one, start to engage the real us. And the real us is coming from teaching the brain to let go of living our lives up here and bringing it down into a full experience so that then we are are, are our true authentic selves and have the capacity to truly be in a position to serve and support somebody else to allow them to move into their full expression as well. That is the ultimate place to experience life from, but it's very difficult to know that as a feeling experience when we've only had moments of flow. We've had moments of this natural flow state and we're like, well, I kind of felt really good when I did this. Maybe it was the roller coaster. Maybe it was, you know, you got an embracing hug that felt really good. Maybe it was, you know, maybe you found art or you found music or whatever it is that brought you that moment. That's the feeling that you can learn to cultivate a deeper connection with and expand time in, which then ultimately leads to how you you truly can serve somebody, which is not a cerebral experience. It's a full body and full emotional expression experience. Right. Well, I don't think <laughs> people are living that richly. <laughs> no. Well, For the most know. part, you know, I think we're lucky if we have a couple of good interactions here or there in a given week, maybe. But I think most of us are not probably, like you said, not our true authentic selves. And that's, that's hard to do when you're working. You can't always be your true self, I don't think. Uh, your true self might be a little bit too hard to connect to for some well, people. Well, you know, and, and, and one, we, that becomes a mechanism of our own, our own deflection or our own shield of saying, you know, whatever it is that our mind is saying about being okay to be in our full expression, but it is a quantum physics experience. It's not a cerebral experience. It's not thinking, how do I do this? Or, 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 you know, what, who am I when I am my full expression? It's a feeling. It's a feeling that we need to learn is available to us to explore into and, and learn to utilize. So shifting the 80% of our fight or flight teaching the brain to let go of life from that perspective and bringing the number back to scale where you're no longer drowning in fight or flight, but you're at least, and I call it the magic number, 51% based off of you. Now you're living in your parasympathetic state, your calm, rest and digest nervous system state. 
It's got a feeling experience that comes with it. A calming, peaceful presence that you now recognize, huh, okay, wow, that feels really nice. I, I haven't had to overhaul my whole life. All I've had to do is commit to some very specific practices that I do every day, all day long. They don't take much time, but they give you access to this. And from there, you, you learn that, wow, okay, so that's the game. That's how I show up as the real version of myself is by honoring my own emotional state, my emotional frequency throughout my days so that I can be at peace with how things are. And then at the same time, learn how to manifest more of how you want things to be. We don't have enough of that because there's not a, a lot of this conversation out there at this level. Well, I do think that the practice of yoga and meditation would greatly facilitate a lot of people into a more feeling, compassionate lifestyle, perhaps. But I don't know. How do you feel about meditation? Well, and again, those are crazy about it. Well, those, no, not at all. Those are great tools. But the problem with all of those types of solutions that were sold as the solutions is they don't take into account the fact that your brain is working 24-7. And so, you know, it's like, okay, so when I got into nutrition and I I'd spent 15 years in nutrition, obviously, again, wrote the best-selling book all around nutrition and how I use food as a source of love versus a source of reactivity. And there is an element of understanding that I can actually stabilize my blood sugar. Huh, I was pre-diabetic and nobody told me that I could stabilize my own blood sugar throughout the day. All I was told was, here, Adam, take some Lipitor for your cholesterol, and that's going to be the, the, the solution. Well, okay, not the solution. When I realized that I could actually do some really subtle things and stabilize my own blood sugar throughout the day, meaning it's not just what I ate in the morning, it's what I did in the, the afternoon when I had my mid-afternoon crash. It's what I did in the early, the early evening and before bed that helped to stabilize my energy. Okay. Well, the same is functioning with our energy and our brain. It's like, okay, well, if we meditate and every morning at, you know, is your meditation time, well, that's good. It's going to teach you the feeling of being in your parasympathetic nervous system. That's awesome. It's also the reason why we have cold thermogenesis showing up on everybody's feeds. Jumping in the cold water is a nervous system vagus nerve trainer. It's awesome. But when your brain is freaking out in the moments of your life, you're not going to jump in cold water to trigger it into, into that response. You need something that's going to work then. The same with yoga. I love yoga, but in the moments of life, you need something that's going to work. And you're not going to jump into yoga poses to get you there. Maybe you will. The point being, there is a way to trigger your vagus nerve the same way that rock climbing does for me and the same way that Yoga does for, for, for hundreds of thousands of folks, and same with meditation, same with cold thermogenesis for a lot of folks. All of it is beautiful. All of it is meant to get you to understand the feeling experience of being calm in your body. But the truth is, is that it's not enough. It's not enough to train your vagus nerve to live in constant coherence so that your brain is left in a state of love with your body and harmony with your body. And that's what we want. We want the heart through the vagus nerve and the nervous system to be in this deep, deep loving connection with your brain, that your brain is no longer running how you act in your life. You're actually operating from action from your heart. And that's a biological state you can cultivate. I think this is a great technique because even when you're having like an acute anxiety attack or something, you can engage it very quickly. So it's very effective, probably. Well, and, and, and it gives you the ability to know that you can actually reset it yourself. Now, your brain is not going to like this. It's, you know, for many of us, we all of a sudden stop reacting to certain things, you know. So when I first did this with sugar, yeah, my brain, after a week of doing this, got very upset with me because it's, it, it goes into survival. It's like, wait a minute, you're not reacting to the thing that I've been patterning you to react to for all these years. And now you're creating space and you're not reacting. Holy crap. Where am I going to get my energy from? If you don't react, I'm going to make these thoughts louder. I'm going to tell you all sorts of things about yourself and try and shake you up again. It's, but if you know that that's, what's going to happen, which is what the support structure around this is critical, obviously, like in the work that I do and the coaching of this, 
the communal support, the one-on-one, the, the container for this to work with your own mind is important because another part of modern society, and we know it's not normal, but the isolation and loneliness is a massive problem for doing this work. Yeah. You, you were, we're not meant to do life alone, vibrationally. We're not meant to do this alone. And so when we begin to support our mind and nourish it and teach it how to feel loved through the body, through the nervous system and the, and the heart, the easiest way is to do it in a community of others who are there with you vibrationally to ensure that your brain can't keep you down. Yeah. No, it's great to have support. I think, you know, sometimes you're in the middle of making changes in life and you start to doubt whether it's doing any good. And, you know, that's where support comes in and it can be very reassuring and it can really put you at ease to know that other people are going through this too. It's not just you that has doubts or you're not sure it's working, whatever. Not easy to find the right support because I tell a lot of a lot of folks that I interact with, and and I'm saying this a lot, this idea of I'm not knocking, but I'm not knocking therapy and counseling either. But if your counselor or a therapist or relationship specialist or whoever it is that you seek out or are working with, if they don't know how to regulate their own mind, how to regulate their own stress response, and I'll be honest, a lot of them have no clue how to do that, mm-hmm. then they cannot hold space for you to be co-regulated from them. They're going to be in your presence vibrationally triggered, vibrationally disrupted from their own life interpretation of anxiety and frustration and worry. How could they hold a space of support for somebody? And this is, again, what we're supposed to be able to do for our kids. If you seek somebody out and you're spending all your time, energy, money on a counselor or a therapist who who is stuck in their own stuff vibrationally, you'll know it because you will not feel like you're growing you won't feel like you're, and you might not know that that's what you've just bought into because you don't really know what it's supposed to provide as far as the result goes. But the result will always be the primary result we should all be looking for as a starting point to this work is a sense of what it feels like for us to feel more peace, more calm, and more presence. And it's powerful. And you recognize, and you're like, whoa, there's something about this my eyes are open and I'm actually here right now. Whoa, I'm feeling things differently. I'm smelling things differently. I'm engaging with people a little bit more intently. Like I actually really do care. The more that we can find people and groups, communities that know that and can support us in that energy. Awesome. If you have somebody who's done that, you know, anyone that's hearing this and you have somebody in your, in your circle that provides that feeling for you, embrace that person. They are a special human being and utilize their overflow because if they, if they really know how to provide that for you, they have the overflow to give you and you should do everything you can to learn from them to continue to live your life aligned to that feeling. If you like it, if you don't like that feeling, okay, but we all do. We all want <laughs> well, let's shift into the weird. What do you think's out there in the universe supporting you? <laughs> while you're while you're controlling your vagus nerve, what is supporting you? Anything? Yeah. Well, you know, for me, it, I don't know if it's out there. I mean, there's a combination of out there and in, in here. But number one for me is my my true teacher, my true mentor is nature. So if I was to leave your listeners with anyone around this, one is I know that there is a real strong need to have a result to really understand the feeling of what being at peace is. And that's not always easy to tune into unless you are escaping using an escape habit, which comes with a consequence. Nature is outside of using my heart flow breath practice. Nature is one of those amazing opportunities to feel the true nature of your being. And what do I mean by nature? It's not just a matter of go outside and, you know, have all the honking horns all over the place and, you know, the smells from all the, all the restaurants all around. And, you know, and you just look up and you see the sky and see a tree. Okay. That's nice, but no, get into nature and ground yourself in the energy of nature. Meaning put your hands on a tree, put your forehead on the tree and breathe. 
get your bare feet on the ground and let nature bring you the feeling that you're craving. And just know that the feeling you're experiencing from that is something that you can learn to cultivate a deeper relationship with. The only reason why we don't know that feeling is because the brain is denying us the ability to energize ourselves from that place. Now, beyond that, where it goes, you know, in terms of the quantum physics and the universe and all that, I don't know. Does the tree have a spirit? Well, again, I mean, these are elements that I just know that I feel so freaking good. And where the rest of it is all going, I know that I'm continuing to manifest the exploration into that. But to this point, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, I just know there's something so much more powerful for us to tune into. And I just turned 52 months ago. And, you know, I've been fortunate. I've been on this path for, you know, 20 years. I had my occupational burnout early, which was awesome. And I get it. <laughs> a lot of us, you know, we're having that in our forties and it's, it's a tougher place because you probably have a career that you can't let go of because you need the money and you have the kids that need the bikes and they need the, the food and you have to have the rent. And yet it's, yeah, there's a lot of responsibilities on your plate, but it's all energy. And so on the energy front, I don't know, you know, er everything's connected for sure. What fraction of it that I'm tuning into? I don't know either. I'm, I'm, I just know that I've got some access to flow that's allowing things to show up with so much ease. And I know it's real. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, I love nature too, but not when a bear is chasing me or a mountain <laughs> lion is pouncing on me. No, that's real love, fight or flight. For I sure. love kitties, but mountain lions <laughs> pouncing from above. Um, yeah. yeah, that puts me in a bad mood. You know, my, my folks, in, in, they're in Toronto, so Toronto, Canada. And they have a, a nice forest in their backyard. And there's a coyote there that runs around once in a while. And, <laughs> you know, and, and it freaks all the neighborhood out when there's one coyote in the big forest. And, but, um, you know, I ride my mountain bike a ton. I'm out there. And, you know, like I say, nature is my mentor. My mountain bike is my, my mentor. I'm learning constantly how to push through my limiting thoughts and recognize the performance level of how, how I can show up in all different ways. But I do ride with bear spray on my bike all the <laughs> <laughs> Let that be known for You're sure. You're a smart man because, yeah. you know, Canadian grizzlies are every, every bit as fierce as like the grizzlies down South, right? Yeah. And and fortunate where I mountain bike, we have black bears, not grizzly. And oh, good. It, yeah. it's still a concern. It's a little but better. <laughs> yeah. And there are, and I do, I do ride in the area that's called Cougar Ridge. So it does have a lot of cougar sightings, oh. but I keep you have, myself calm and at peace and it's all good. <laughs> you have, I think, links up there as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Those yeah. are beautiful. Really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I love nature as well, but I, you know, some of it is terrifying. It's not all peaceful. Trees are wonderful. And, you know, I love um, the idea of being grounded and, and they say walking barefoot on the earth is very good for you because, we're around so many like Wi-Fi waves and all this stuff going on that's messing with our own frequencies, basically. Yeah. So it's good to walk barefoot, supposedly, on the earth. And that's not something I do too often. Well, <laughs> I'll there's be a honest. Lot of there's a lot of cement around here, you know? Yeah. And, and so on the Wi-Fi front, you know, this is, this is one of our cultural norms. We think it's normal now to live with access to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And yet we don't realize that because you don't see the frequency, you don't notice it, but it, it's a massive disruptor of your nervous system stress response. Electrosensitivity is a real thing. EMFs are a real thing, electromagnetic frequencies. And so they'll disrupt you 100%. Now, what's so great about the earth? The earth is, it's almost like, you know, on the bottom of your feet, you have 1300 nerve endings per square inch of your foot. So wow. this is the ends of your nerves, the majority of those in the bottom of your foot. So now you place your bare foot on the ground. The ground acts as the number one. And I, and I know, you know, I used to do a lot of training on this and people would say, well, that's the weirdest thing you ever made us do. Get outside and go barefoot. Okay. Well, how did you come out of the wound? How, how are we <laughs> meant to be, you know, the advent of, of, plastic and rubber soled shoes is another cultural norm. We think it's normal to be running around with plastic and rubber soled shoes. And it's not, you get that, that foot with all those nerve endings on the ground and you're picking up what are called free electrons. 
free energy from the ground that acts like a, an antioxidant for your cells. So when you have stress, you have this oxidation of your cells and you have what are called free radicals and they eat at your cells. They create damage to your cells and take away your energy. Well, now you put your barefoot on the ground and all of a sudden you get all this flush of free electrons to help mitigate the free radicals. It's the number one anti-inflammatory we have. It's not a medication, it's the earth. Now, at the same time that you have your foot on the ground and it's helping to reduce the inflammation in the body and it's helping to shift the health of your own cells, it's also shifting the way your nervous system functions. It's immediately dropping it back into the calm, parasympathetic nervous system, relaxed state without us having to do anything. Mm -hmm. Our only role is to pay attention to how that makes us feel. And again, like I say, we have lost touch to that. We have lost touch oh, yeah. to our ability to feel our own emotions. And so using the ground as a portal in to feeling more of how you want to feel, it's, it's just, and it's accessible. It's easy to do. It doesn't cost you tons of time at all, but it doesn't cost you any money. These are really simple things that probably everybody just doesn't get around to doing. That's the way it is. If you go to the beach, you know, I live pretty close to the beach. People do go barefoot there, but then that's, you know, a little bit of a different environment. There's also cement. We have a boardwalk and everything. You have to kind of wear shoes on a lot of it because there's occasionally broken glass or whatever, but yeah. there just aren't a lot of opportunities to go barefoot anymore, like on earth, you know, on on natural soil. They're just, yeah. unless you have a backyard and you're in it all the time. And I don't know. Well, and this is part of, again, the system that we are living as modern humans. Density is part of the problem. You know, human populations built up in density denies you access to your natural rhythmic state, your natural circadian 24-hour cycle. When we get into, you know, so when I work with my clients, the number one thing I do is I teach them to start to pay attention to their own patterns. Obviously, they're using heart flow to then start to mitigate and create some space and learn how it feels. At some point in the process, you begin to recognize, okay, I'm a revved up human being. I didn't realize how much of my life was just lived in the past and in the future. Now that I'm starting to bring more space to live here now, wow. I really want that. Now you have to recognize there are elements of your of our society that aren't helping you. You don't have to eliminate those. We don't have to go run to a cave and live like a yogi inside of a cave for the rest of our lives. But we have to know that one, the brain loves the chaos. And two, society has it set up so that the brain constantly feels the chaos. And so once we understand the playing field, we see all the pieces. We know how to work with our own mind and body. You become the most powerful human being on the planet and you become part of the solution. Shifting the mind from living in fear of pushing through and getting uncomfortable and learning how to get uncomfortable while you push through with the right support, it gives you the rest of your life to live with joy, to live with fulfillment, to live with more ease doesn't have to wait until you do a certain thing to get to a certain place. You know, when I have the diet, then I'm going to have the weight I want. Or when I take the melatonin is when I'm going to get the quality sleep. You give your nervous system the right space with the right tools and the right order and the community around you, you're going to feel this immediately. You're going to feel a connection to what's real and what your true potential is but it comes from connecting to your own emotions in a way that you are feeling safe to let it go. Finally, let go of holding on so tight and become that free human that you deserve to be. Well, I appreciate you, Adam. I appreciate all that you've learned and that you're willing to coach others into a better place because um, we need it nowadays. There's too many unhappy people and it's, it has so many manifestations. You know, it's not just, gun violence or, you know, a war. It's so many little things actually that kind of make or break your experience in life, just your daily interactions. And if we can always improve those and just feeling happy in the moment is such a big thing. You don't have to wait until you get a degree or 
you know, like you said, lose weight or do this or do that. You just find a way to live in the moment and be happy. That's the biggest thing that people can achieve, really. Yeah, I love it. Love it. It's the ultimate manifestation, learning how and having the right how to so that it never, it never gets taken away from you. In whatever scenario yeah. you are in, you'll always have the ability to shift your own energy around everything. And that's pretty cool. It is cool. I thank you for coming on. I thank you for sharing. And uh, we'll put a link to your website in the show notes for this episode so people can catch up with you. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Evie. Thanks for having me. Blessed listener, please leave your questions or comments for this episode or any other episode at disembodiedpodcast.com. Thanks so much.